I don't know if you guys have caught on that uh, kind of the, the new fashion statement uh, for guys is wearing blazers. And uh, any, anybody in here really cool this morning? You're wearing a blazer with your jeans and... No? Okay. Well, uh, here's what happened. Last week, I'm sitting in the audience. I'm, uh, I'm watching the service. And, uh, and Aaron's up here speaking. And of course, uh, he's wearing a blazer because Aaron is like cool off the hook. And... Uh, and, uh, but the thing was, his blazer looked more like a sweater than it did uh, like a blazer. And so all of a sudden, I'm in the audience, I'm having flashbacks. And I, I'm just, so see if, see if uh, you see what I mean. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in the neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, so I'm sitting there all of a sudden, just, going, just bend over and tie your shoes. It would be so cool. It'd be, it'd be great. Hey, uh, we're having a discussion uh, in this series about uh, being grateful, maybe even being grateful about things that we never knew or even uh, thought about being uh, grateful about. And I think one of the biggest challenges as, as we have this discussion is that you and I have a tendency to see our lives in a moment. Uh, in an instant of time. And so all of a sudden, uh, maybe a person comes into our life and, and, and they're just the most irritating person we've ever met. And we just go, how in the world uh, did this happen? Uh, we lose a job. Uh, uh, we have unexpected bills. And, and in that instant, in that moment, uh, we go, this is so unfair. This is so wrong. And why, why would I even consider being grateful uh, 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 about this? Uh, you come to church and maybe uh, the pastor does a sermon and it's exactly the topic you're wishing th they would never discuss. And it just bothers you deeply, and you're going, look, look, here's the deal. I, I, I was willing maybe to deal with that issue in my life or that topic in my life in a couple years, and now all of a sudden it's front and center, and I just, it's so frustrating in my life. And I think part of that is because you and I uh, have a tendency in our lives to kind of deal with singular moments, singular instances uh, in our lives. And so whatever that is that's irritating, whatever that's bothering, that becomes the focus of, of what's going on with me. And Today, we're just going to suggest that maybe, maybe if you and I saw this from a different perspective, and that what we realized is, is that all the things that are happening in my life, whether it's the sermon I heard at church, or uh, whether it's that irritating person in the cubicle next to me, or, or, or it's that, that setback financially, that, I, that, that when I see them in perspective, all of a sudden I begin to realize that this is God making me, forming me, taking me where I'm supposed to to go. That actually, ready for this? The further I get away, the, the more I begin to see this, not through my eyes, but instead from a God-type perspective. Okay, so isn't it interesting that this image, the further back you stand, the clearer it gets. And the closer you and I get to those instances, those moments in our life, and see them the way that God sees them and what He's doing in our lives, that all of a sudden you and I have the opportunity for what originally was so deeply frustrating for us to maybe see it in a totally different, and suddenly to go, oh my goodness, that was actually God's best in me, and I am so deeply grateful that God allowed that to happen or brought that person in my life or had me have to navigate that moment in my, 
Is it possible that the closer we get to God's view of our problems, the worst moments of our life, there's actually the opportunity to be grateful for the crud? Hey, we're going to grab a passage today that I think kind of takes us there and challenges us to think this way. It's in the book of James. So if you have your Bibles, if you go to the back and uh, then work to the left, we're going to find this uh, passage together. It's James chapter 1. Here's the cool thing about James. James just doesn't uh, hold back. James is just kind of that, this is how it is. I'm I'm not going to sweet coat it. I'm not going to dance around. I'm just going to tell you how it ought to be. And so he does that today with this page. This this is how you and I ought to think about the worst moments, the cruddiest instances of our lives. James chapter 1. Here's what I'd like for us to do. What's the worst thing you're going through right now? What's... What's, what's the thing you'd say, I don't, I don't get why God's asking me to do this lap. I'm not sure. It, it's totally unfair. It's totally wrong. I, I, I was simply minding my own business. I was trying to obey God, and then the layoff. The friend betrayed. I, I thought we were working in that relationship. We, marriage was the next big step, and then it, the wheels came off. We're not even friends anymore. What, what is the worst thing going on in your life right now? For some of us, you have to go back and you have to go, no, 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 there's, there's something big in my past. There is a, there is a, there is a moment in my past that, I, that I, have, I have forever struggled with God and struggled with the idea that it happened and struggled that God took me there. What would that be? If I were to ask you to write it down today, what would you put on? Because James is going to give us an entry. James is actually ready for this. James is going to invite us to consider being grateful for the toughest moments of our lives. Here we go. It's James chapter 1. Starts in verse 2. Uh, here's what it says. This is James. He says, uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, what's the next word? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, now think about this for a moment. So James saying, look, when when that moment comes, when that wrongness happens, when unfairness invades your life, when when you are facing the worst possible uh, moment, then don't don't in that moment go, woe is me, I, I can't believe this has happened. Which is an interesting thing because you and I naturally and intuitively say, look, 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 I was obeying God, I was doing what I was supposed to do, I I was minding my own business, and suddenly it fell apart. And you and I, in that moment, instinctually file that away in the victim bucket. We go, God, how? How? Were you asleep at the wheel? Were you not? Why? 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 I, I, if something bad was going to happen, I'd like to nominate my neighbor. You know, I, why? Why me? How? And you and I tend, when those moments, ha- we put them in the victim bucket. James comes back and says, no, 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 no. When the worst possible moments of your life happen, when unfair happens, when the wheels come off, when the friend betrays, when, when you have medical bills, then, then instead, consider it joy. 
I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I almost want to say to James, James, well, well, there's got to be more to this conversation. There's something you left out because I, I, I'm just not sure how to take the toughest moments of my life and, and not file them there and, and get them here. I mean, let, let's be honest. There's, there's some stuff. There's some stuff that it, it's, just, it's just impossible to be joyful. It's, it's, ready? It's impossible to be grateful that that happened in my life. Kids in rebellion. How, how do you be grateful about that? Layoffs. Layoffs. I, medical bills. Medical bills. Anybody here going, dude, I got medical bills and I am grateful? Dude, I don't, I don't know you. I write that check out for medical bills and I cringe. I go, aren't, aren't, don't you just want to say to James, James, wait, 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 wait. There, there, there's a piece of this conversation that is, that is apparently missing. Because I, I, I just got to be honest, there's some stuff in my life I, I, I am so far from being grateful for. And here's what James is going to suggest. That if you and I would step back from the moment, that if you and I would see this from God's perspective, you and I would actually have the capacity to thank God for the crummy moment. Now, see if we can get there. Here's the first thing, and here's what we got to say out loud. Uh, anytime you and I have junk going on in our lives, anytime you and I have got real struggle going on in our lives, what you and I have got to do first is we've got to come back and say, is there any chance this is a spiritual spanking? Is there any chance this is discipline? In other words, I've done something that I knew I shouldn't do. I've gone somewhere I shouldn't go. I, I knew what Scripture said about this, and I did it anyways. Well, then, then it's a spiritual spanking. This, this has nothing to do with tough stuff coming into my life, and, and, and I was behaving, and this is a spanking. And there is nothing, hey, there is nothing joyful about a spanking. Spankings are spankings. And, and, and what you and I have got to do in this moment is be able to come to God with clean hands. You, you know what I mean by clean hands. Okay. Let, let, let's say your, your five-year-old son is in the kitchen watching with curiosity as mom is baking cookies. And, and we're saving the cookies for when company comes later. So you turn to your five-year-old son, you say, look, 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 uh, no cookies. We're waiting, no cookies. A few moments later, you hear in the kitchen a rattling sound. You come around uh, the corner to find chair stacked upon chair upon cookbook, and your son is standing there next to the cookie jar, and it's still spinning in a circular motion on the counter. And you say to your son, did you get in the cookie jar? And your son says, no. Show me your hands. Show me your other hand. You get what I mean by clean hands. That you and I have got to be able to go for God and go, look, look. As far as I know, as far as I understand, clean hands. I, I, I don't have a place that I'm disobeying. I don't have a place where I've just said, God, I don't like what you said, and so I'm not. That, that this cannot possibly be discipline. Because here's the deal. If it's discipline, 
If it's discipline, the smartest thing you can do is give in. Because here's the answer. God is going to spank the behoobers out of you until you do. So the best thing you can do is go, look, 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 look. I get it. I get it. I get that I disobeyed. I get that I didn't listen. I get that I've been stubborn about this. And so I'm, I'm just done. I'm just done with that. And I, I'm going to turn and I'm going to be ready to obey. Because here's the deal. If you're living obediently, does God need to spank anymore? No, spanking. So the most powerful thing you can do if you're living a life and you're in the midst of discipline is, is obey. Just stop and say, look, I, I get it. Lesson learned. And turn and obey. But let's say today you pass the discipline test. In other words, you come to a moment in your life and the wheels are coming up. You come to a moment and it's so deeply unfair. You come to a moment and relationships are falling apart and jobs are being lost and children are sick and you go, look, I, as best I can self-evaluate, this isn't a spanking. I, I, I don't have any place in my life that I can't hold up clean hands and go, look, I, I'm obeying and I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And it's still bad. There's still stuff happening. And James would come to that moment and say, if that's the moment, before, before, before you stick it here, if you knew, if you could see, you'd put it here. How? Why? Sometimes in our lives when the worst possible moments are happening, it's, it's not because God's gotten out of control, it's not because he forgot, it's not because he went to the bathroom and he's preoccupied. You ready? James would say you count those moments as joy because God is teaching you lessons that you cannot learn any other way. He is teaching you things that you will never learn on this side of discomfort or pain. And if he left you alone, if he didn't bring that moment, you would never, 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 never learn this. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick and go with me to the book of Romans. Romans is going to be to the left in your Bible. This is that verse that we quote to everybody whenever they're going through hard times. And when we quote it, they want to slap us. And then, and then when it's our turn and we're going through really hard times, then some other Christian comes up and quotes it to us, and then we want to slap them. And, and the reason we do that, guys, is because we don't read the whole verse. We just do the first part, and we, we leave the really tough part off. Here it is. It's Romans chapter 8. It's verse 28. Uh, here's what it says. And we know... That in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And we say, no, 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 it doesn't matter that you're sick because God works all things. It's okay that you lost your job. God works all things. And you just go, because we didn't read the last part of the verse. Verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, and predestined is just a big Bible word for simply saying this, God knew where the finish line was. God knew where he was taking us and what he was trying to accomplish. He knows the destination. He predestined our lives. For those God foreknew, he predestined, you ready, to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. 
See, here's the deal. You, you, and I, you and I come to moments in our life that seem to be falling apart, and we go, God, God, I don't get it. I've been obeying everything. I've been doing what you want me to do. How come things aren't turning out good? I mean, I kept my part of the contract. Why aren't you keeping your part of the contract? So here's, here's something. Look, look, look. That new Mercedes SL, that would be good. You, you know, that, that house in the custom neighborhood that has seven bedrooms? I know I've only got two kids, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. That would be good. See, here's the thing. Look, if, if you could just use my life to accomplish some unbelievable thing so that all my friends stood back and envy, that would be good. And you and I have our definition of what good for us is. I know, I know. I know that there, most of them would go, Lynn, come on, you're, you're being silly. I, I, I wouldn't ask. I'm, I'm not going to ask for that. See, I, I, here, I'll, here, I, I, I am much more reasonable with my good. If I could just be financially stable, that's all, that's all I'm asking. If, if my kids could get to 21 and not murder anybody, that's, that's, that'd be good. If my marriage could be a reasonably good marriage, if, that's all I like. And here's the problem. The minute something on your and my good list doesn't happen, then we immediately turn to God and say, you're not being good to me because you just missed one of the boxes on my good list. So apparently, God, it's very obvious, you are not a good God. You are a disappointing God, and you're not being good to me. So here's the question. If you've got a good list, and God has to do your good list in order to be a good God, who's God? I mean, if God has to behave the way you tell him to be, and he has to, who gets to decide what good is in your life? Because here's what you're giving. Scripture just told you that God's definition of good and your and my definition of good is different. Let's go back to the passage again. And we know, verse 28 again, and we know that all things work, God works for the good to those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, and you get ready for good? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And what God's saying is, look, 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 look. The best thing I can do in your life is make you look like my son. That's good. And here, here, whoa, 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 whoa. here's the deal. And if making you look like Jesus means you never get that house, God says, I would gladly not give you that house if missing that house makes you look more like Jesus. If, if, if that relationship with that boyfriend breaking up makes you look more like, I'll break that relationship up a hundred times, God says. Because the best thing I can do in your life is not what I give you, but who I make you look like. chunk of coal. You get that, that you and I, when we come to God, we're, we're a lot like this. We're dark. We, we bring a lot of stuff to this relationship. And God says, I know this is where you came to me, 
but this is not where I'm going to leave you. That's Jesus. A diamond. And God says, look, 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 look. I'm, I'm going I'm to make you less like this, and I'm going to make you more like that. That's what I'm going to do, because that would be good. You know what's interesting? You and I burn this. <laughs> yeah. Go to a jewelry store and see a woman getting engaged, and we kill for this. Anyone know where diamonds come from? Coal. And the difference between this and this, anybody know? Heat, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of heat. Pressure, backbreaking, unbelievable pressure. Time. And this becomes this. Which means, which means, you ready for this? God is going to turn up the heat, turn up the pressure, and take his time. So, so here's the deal. He's going to bring circumstances. He's going to bring moments in your life, that you, in my life, that we're going to go, whoa, 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 unfair, unfair. How, why? I don't get it. I didn't deserve it. I, no, 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 no. That's heat. That's heat. Because God's saying, look, look, look. I, I'm going I'm to do this thing in order to turn up the heat in your life to make you more like Jesus. And then God says, look, and not only that, I'm going to bring pressure because there's all sorts of places in your life that don't look anything like my son. And so I'm going to push and I'm, hold on. I'm, and I might even break some pieces off because that's, that's areas of disobedience in your life. That, that's, that's areas that don't look anything like my son. And I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to break them off. to get you there. And then time. Guess, guess how long God takes with this? And the easy answer is this, longer than you want. Whenever God's working in your life, I just promise you this, whenever God's working in your life, it will always be longer than you want. You'll be going, I learned the lesson, stop already. You'll be going, no, a little longer. You're not cooked all the way through yet. It'll always be longer than you and I want. Heat, pressure, time. If you're God, if you're God and you're saying, look, the best thing I can do in your life is make you look more like Jesus, and you're not patient. If I was God, what, what, what would God do in your life if you weren't patient? He'd bring the most irritating person he could find, the most, the most obnoxious person for a hundred miles, and he'd put him in the cubicle next to you at work. And you'd be going, what in the world did I do to deserve them? And he says, no, 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 no. I'm teaching you patience. And you're going, I'm done, I'm done, I'm patient already. And no, you're not. Because if I want you to look more like Jesus, then don't I have to put heat and pressure and time? Because, because, because there are things that you and I will never learn this side of pain when it comes to being like Jesus. And, 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 if, and then the moment I get that, then all of a sudden I go, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. That guy in the cubicle next to me, that, that gal in the cubicle next to me, that, that, 
as irritating as they are, they may be the hand of God. Consider it joy. Because God is taking the toughest moments of my and teaching me things I couldn't learn any other way. If you needed to learn love, how, how would God teach you love? Wouldn't he give you somebody to hate? Wouldn't he have a friend who betrayed? Wouldn't he have someone who was just absolutely vile and wrong in your life and then turn to you and say, hey, love your enemy? If he was teaching you to love, and, and if you and I understood that that's what God was doing, and, the, and then instead in that moment when I was betrayed and when my friend, instead of putting it in this one, I go, wait, 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 wait. This is God's opportunity. This is God teaching me to be more like Jesus, and I would never know this. I would never learn this without pain, heat, pressure, time in my life. And suddenly, my perspective changes. Guys, football practice. First six weeks of football practice. No fun. You're not learning plays. You're not out there doing scrimmages. First six weeks of football practice, anybody know? Two days. Two days. You get out there in the morning, and the coach makes you run and do push-ups and, and, and physical stuff to the point you're about ready to puke. And then you get to go home, and they bring you back in the afternoon, and they make you do it all over again. And just about the time you think, I, this, is, this is beyond human ability, the coach says, okay, 10 more wind sprints in length of the field. If you're a first-year player, you go, what's his problem? What, what, why is he, is he just trying to break us? I mean, what, what, what is this about? I mean, this is, this is just like an ego trip for the coach trying to beat us into submission. You're a second-year player? You go, no, 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 no. See, I, I remember last year we were playing the championship team from the year before. 102 degrees. Everybody was cramping up on the field. Got, got to the end of the, the third quarter, and, and it was interesting because you looked, you looked across the sidelines, and everybody on their team all had managers over there trying to rub all the cramps out. Everybody on our team was fresh and ready to go because of two-a-days. What if, what if God is trying to teach you what you cannot learn, what there are no shortcuts for through the hardest moments of your life? You'd be able to move buckets, wouldn't you? So, so let me ask you a question. You a first-year player? Second-year player? Second thing, 
It, it may not be. It may not be that you, God's teaching you. As a matter of fact, you might look at what's going on in your life and, and, and God brings a person or he brings circumstances and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I've already learned that lesson, God. There, I mean, you're not teaching me something to be more like Jesus. Because I already, I've already learned that lesson. I've already, I've already got that one mastered and now it looks like, feels like we're doing a repeat course. So, so why, why would God do that? And James would say, no, 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 no. There's still joy here because it's possible. You ready? It's possible in that moment, especially when you and I would say, I think I've already learned this lesson. I think I've already mastered this. I think there's already Jesus on me in this. It's possible that God is putting you on display for others to watch. Heart of God Heart of God is that people who are far from Him would figure Jesus out. That, that, that people around us, our aunts and our uncles and our neighbors and our friends who don't know God would someday know God. Because here's the deal. You realize this conversation, this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of heaven and hell. Do I figure Jesus out? And what if, what if, just think about this. If the very heart of God is that everybody in this world would know His Son, Jesus Christ, and what if, what if he says, look, I've already had a conversation with that person. I've already convicted them. I've already had people invite them to church. I've already had people witness to them. And, and they're not listening. Their, their answer is no way. And I know that if I brought tough circumstances in their life, I know if I, I caused them to lose the job or have the medic, instead of it pushing them to God, they would actually become angry with me. What would God do in a moment like that if he still wanted to reach your friend? Is it possible, is it possible that he would invite us to live a remarkable moment in front of them? That, that he would say, look, 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 if I did this to them, they would, they would turn their hearts away from me. But if I ask you to live this moment, if I ask you to do this, they will have no explanation. They will not be able to understand how you are navigating this so well, why your response is so strong. And when they turn and they look at you in that moment, they will see Jesus in you. And it'll open up a whole new conversation. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick because I think this is exactly what God says. Go with me to the left just a little bit to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. And again, it's a passage that you probably are somewhat familiar with. Matthew chapter 5. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, and a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and so that it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, get, get ready? In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see what? Your good deeds. The way you live that incredibly tough moment that they could never navigate on their own. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Guys, I, I think you and I have lived this. I think you and I have watched this. I, I, I think of the McRae's. I think of Aaron and Holly McRae. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not coming to the place where I'm saying, hey, I think God was teaching Holly and Aaron something. 
maybe, maybe they might say to you and me today, you know, hey, God has. God's taught us all sorts of lessons with Kate having brain cancer and going through this. But guys, isn't it more likely after them being on the Dr. Phil show and having a blog that's got thousands of people going on with Kate, isn't it, isn't it possible that God invited Aaron and Holly to do this so that people who were far from him would watch a couple 30-year-olds navigate their daughter's brain cancer and say, how do you do that? How do you do that? And in the moment in which he got their attention, people far from God would see Jesus. And is it possible in your life that there have been moments of deep unfairness, deep, deep wrongness in your life that weren't about teaching you a lesson? You'd already learned the lesson. You were there. That instead, God was putting you on display, that there was someone in your proximity, someone around your life, He you said, look, 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 I've already had the conversation with them. Their answer's no. I... I, I if I were to do to them what I'm about to do to you, they would turn and rebel. But if they could see you go through this and behave like Jesus, they would reconsider me again. What if, what if the pain, what if the unfairness was the honor of God saying, let me do this in your life because people will see me. You know, you, you think about this, there, there's actually a sense in which this is, this is kind of a backhanded compliment uh, um, in, in our lives. So I won't, I won't make you turn there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 simply says this, I will not let any temptation come in your life that you're not able to handle with my help. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So think about this. God made a promise to all of us. He says, look, I won't let anything happen in your life that you are not able to get through, that you're not able to do with my help. Okay, it's a promise. So think about this. If you're a level two Christian, so on a scale of one to ten, if you're a level two Christian, what did God promise you just now about the size of problems that he would allow in your life? He will, he will only allow level one and level two. Okay, hey, all right. Because you're a level two Christian. And God said, look, no, 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 no. I won't bring anything in your life that you with my help can't handle. So if you're a level two Christian, if that's where you've gone in maturity and that's how much you've grown, I'll give you ones, I'll give you twos. So if you're a level four Christian, then that means God would be willing to allow in your life either to learn or to put on display fours and threes and twos and ones, right? Four, three, because you're a level four Christian. If God brings a seven in your life, what's God saying about your maturity? He's saying you're a seven. So you may not realize it, and you may not, you may not know you were ready for it, but you're a seven. And you're ready for this, and you can do this. If you were an athlete preparing for the Olympics, and let's say you were doing it in the high jump, and you've been practicing and practicing and practicing five foot six in the high jump, and you've been clearing it every time, 
And if the coach walked over to the bar and moved it to six foot, is he being mean? Or did he just pay you a compliment? And he says, no, 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 you can do this. That worst thing in your life, <laughs> that moment in your past that you go, man, it was just so unfair and so wrong. The thing you're going through right now, and we've, we've stuck it in the bucket. Is it possible it's the wrong bucket? Is it possible that that thing was God teaching me stuff that I could never learn any other way? Is it, is it possible he was making me more like Jesus? Is it possible that there were people around me and God said, look, 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 you, you, you in this area of your life have got it so well, you, you've got it, that if I put you through this, your cousin will see Jesus in you. Your, your neighbor will see Jesus in you, and I am giving you the privilege of being on display for me. Is it possible that you and I could be grateful even for the hardest times of our lives because good is different in the eyes of God. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you and we just admit out loud and say to you, we, we do, we, we have our list and, and we have our things that we believe you're supposed to do on our account and when you don't do them, we get frustrated and angry and disappointed. <laughs> and we haven't seen this from your perspective, that, that good isn't the size of the house we live in or the success we have at work. Good is looking like Jesus. And so we're just going to say today, we are willing even to live through the hardest of times, the unfairest of moments. If those teach us to be more like Jesus and to look more like your son. And God, if there, if there are people around us who aren't figuring you out and, and the most powerful way, the clearest way for them to see you is to see me living for you when life isn't working well, then raise the bar. Then raise the bar. And we choose today to count it joy to be more like your son, to be on display for a world that needs you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.